Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, Premier AI and Quantum Venture Studio, located in the heart of Silicon Valley. I'm a 17-time serial entrepreneur with several unicorns under the belt. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also Eva.ai, an AHR tech company that I co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. With that, I'd like to uh, introduce my exciting guest. Arthur Weitzman is a serial entrepreneur, six-time serial entrepreneur. He's passionate about building and growing companies. He's got over 25 years with the entrepreneur experience and a passion for applying technology to improve business. He's here to share his insights and leadership business strategy, and Immersa's e-commerce cutting-edge platform. Ooh, this sounds very interesting. He's managed over six companies, as I said, with 25 years worth of experience. Prior to that, he spent six years in management consulting, implementing technologies for various industries. So uh, Immerse is a revolutionizing retail commerce platform connecting brands and customers seamlessly. Our D2C SaaS platform offers shoppable, video calls, dynamic chat engagements, and live stream streaming events, all aimed at delivering an in-store experience online. With that, I'd like to bring Arthur. Hi, Arthur. How are you today? Good morning, Gary. How are you? Good. So tell me a little bit about it. So I know you've had a, a, an incredible journey. So uh, you were in Tashkent. How was it living in Tashkent, by the way? You know, it, was, it was beautiful, actually. I was there since I was born till I was almost 18. So great memory, childhood growing up. Still have friends there. It's a very warm country, very welcoming country. Uh, when I grew up there, it was part of Soviet Union. After I left, it broke up, broke off into an independent country, which is Uzbekistan now. Uh, but growing up, we primarily spoke Russian um, as a primary language, and uh, it was a melting pot of, of probably 20 different nationalities at least. Um, so it was it was very um, great. It was a great environment to work, to grow up in. Now, how about the food? Did you have a lot of good food there? Because oh uh, I know the. I know uh, why you're asking. I know why you're asking because you've tried it. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I the, love the it. The food in Uzbekistan I'm... is 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 amazing, and it's it's in the US. It's hard to find. If anybody's listening, look for Uzbek food or Central Asian food. It is mind-boggling good, and nothing like you've tried before. And do you eat it now? I do, and I cook it too. Oh, there you go. That sounds yeah. great. So you know, so you grew up there. What made you decide to leave? You know what? That was. Almost 18. Um, my brother's 22. My parents wanted to leave the uh, Soviet Union uh, eight years prior to, and borders were closed. So as soon as the borders opened up, this is when you know, the famous Perestroika and Gorbachev and um, Reagan started talks, peace talks. And that's one of the first stipulations that Reagan put on the table was to let people, allow people to leave again. And we had family in U.S., and that's how I, that's how my family ended up in Dallas because my aunt lived in Dallas, and my journey just started brand new when I got to to Dallas at the at the age of eighteen. 
So how was it coming over? How did it feel once you got over here? You know, it was overwhelming. Uh, everything was different. You know, growing up, I've, I've told this story before, growing up in Soviet Russia was like, from a business perspective, was like going to DMV every time. Anywhere you go, you know, everything's owned by the government. Everything's run by the government. Nobody really thinks about efficiencies or systems or customer service per se. So it's, it's, coming here was, was, was <coughs> awesome for sure. Yeah, I remember going into the bread store in Moscow and there was one loaf of bread and the lady was like, do me a favor to give it to me. And it was one of those black breads, but I think that one was probably there for a week because it was like a brick. <laughs> you couldn't even eat it. It was like literally a brick. And I remember going to myself, this is really sucks because I am starving. This was back <laughs> in 92. What year was that? 92? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, October, the wall came down, and then uh, February 23rd, 92, I was there. And I remember going to uh, Arabat Irish House in Moscow, and they had yep. uh, food there. But the bread was like five bucks for a loaf of bread. And I said to myself, you know, I don't care if it's 100 bucks. It doesn't matter. I wanna, <laughs> I'm want. i hungry. I didn't yeah. eat for two days. And then I wanted to make sure I had good water because some of the water was you, – you had to be careful about the water. It wasn't because it was bad if you were Russian, but it was bad if you were a foreigner potentially. And right. so I ended up getting bottled water and I was so happy to have, I'll never forget. I had a ham sandwich with the cheese on it and I got some Snickers bars cause they had had the, they had those wow. sitting there and I said, I hit the jackpot. And if I did oh, yeah. that here in the States, I never ate like that. But <laughs> when I was there, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. A lot of beauty. So it took gut coming over and then, so did you go to university here or did you just start with Ernst & Young? No, so I, I didn't speak any English. So it took me about a year to figure my way around, start learning language. And I've changed probably, I don't know, eight, 12 jobs in the first year and a half. And then I went to a technology school. It was, I took a government loan, uh, six months school, learn how to program and when I exited the school, I got really lucky. I went to job fair and EY desk was there. And it just happened to be that the skill I learned on in that school, the programming skill is what they were looking for, for a specific project. That's, it was a, it was an amazing luck. So I was not even 21. They were making fun of me because I was not, I did, when I was going to the parties with, with my comrades, I couldn't drink legally. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. Um, but did you like it? Was it interesting? Oh, well, oh my God. Yeah. The UI really gave me my education when it comes to business. I've learned a lot from it. Um, you know, especially when you build systems, you, you, you work with operations and you work with business analysts and try to figure out, you know, you take a process and say, how do we make it better? How do we, how do we um, use technology to improve the process? And that's, Honestly, my my it, it became my DNA. I've been doing this since since then. No matter what I do. From so we went down through and do it. Uh, when you go down through and do it, you stayed there four years. What made you decide to leave? I had a newborn, um, and uh, I was on a fork to make a manager or or get out. And uh, with a newborn in the family and working, you know, 60 plus hour weeks and traveling a lot, I decided that's probably not a good thing for, for a new family. So I decided to leave and I did my own consulting for about a year and a half and then started my first business after. 
And that was a VHA. You worked at VHA, right? As project right. manager. Yeah, yeah. So VHA hired me out of EY, and then half a year later, I told them I, I wanted to leave and start my journey, my business journey. And they're like, I was part of an intricate project that was um, very important to the company. So they asked me to stay, and I stayed there for another year and a half as a consultant. Made a lot of money. I made, you know, I made like a hundred bucks an hour, and this was. This was a lot back in the days. Um, well, that's great. That should have helped yeah. your family. So that, that built my cash cushion and allowed me to buy a house and uh, allowed me to start a new business. And uh, the five businesses I've started or six businesses I've started have always be, have all been self-funded. Um, so I'm truly, you know, grinder starting from scratch and trying to get the cash flow positive as quickly as possible, um, except for the last. One. The last one is is a different story altogether. The Mars. And so you went down through that. You did the Dallas Memory International um, Internet Commerce selling computer parts? How was yep. that? You know that was that. that excuse me, ninety six wasn't bad, but two thousand three wasn't uh, so interesting, right? Well, I, I I sold the company before two thousand three. Um, oh. So, so uh, yeah, um, it was it was good because we started as a wholesale distributor of, of computer components, CPU and memory. So basically buying and selling in bulk to shops that were building computers. Back in those days, people were still building computers instead of yeah, buying. I don't know. Why did that stop, Arthur? Why? Because I remember you used to get custom computers. You could find them everywhere. CompUSA. I mean, yeah. there's all these parts. What happened? Why did it stop? it became a commodity and became cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. It was harder to make margin in that business. Alien computers, which is still, which still exists was one of my clients. Um, but they, they had a niche they, they were building computers for gaming and gaming was just a, at the very beginning, early stage and putting powerful CPU, powerful memory in those and, and video boards into those computers was how they made, the name for themselves and we were especially supply for them so but yeah majority of the companies that were building computers just couldn't compete with dells of the world at the end of the day that's amazing okay so you did that you went from dallas you sold that and as you're going down through your journey and you've got a wide wide journey you know you went down through and did uh limo anywhere what is that all about so before Limo Anywhere, I started a company called 360 Limo with, with my with my close friend. Um, this, this was this started as a as a as a an, a, an experiment to see if we can put a, a mid market transportation company, corporate transportation company together. The company started five days before 9/11. As you can imagine, we put a lot of work into putting the package together, establishing the company, corporation, marketing materials, you name it, and then five days before opened five days before 9-11 and, and then the whole world got paralyzed in corporate travel. There was no travel. So we we immediately kind of looked at this and say, how can we change? What can we do? How can we pivot? Or do we, how much time do we give this before, before we close doors? So we gave it six months. It was a six month commitment. And we said, we're going to figure out how to get every dollar possible within six months so we can get to cash flow positive. Well, what we've learned quickly is that majority of companies that were doing transportation were doing it locally only. So they would, they would develop corporate clientele in their local business, in their local market. And when, when somebody would 
is picked up to fly somewhere they need they still need transportation so we started farming out uh anything outside of dallas to to companies like us and started developing our own vendor network that would service our clients and that really skyrocketed the company so right out of the gate we, we started going you know 50 to 100 percent year-to-year growth and um the company is still active uh amazingly enough it's 22 years in business um and do you self- still own that company still own the company it's it, it's a it's a what what people in business call a cash cow you know uh established business management in place uh, i'm still involved on a very high level uh from from uh leadership standpoint of view uh but it's it's a self-sustained business and how big is it it's about 20 million dollars in revenue that's great and that, it's, we, we, we changed the business that. model like five years into no seven years into it we changed the business model got rid of all the cars and became just a, a management company and now we're doing this worldwide company called move we renamed the company muv so the website is movepeople.com and it's it, our primary business is corporate travel and pharmaceutical travel meetings and meetings and events well that's interesting okay then you went to vistage worldwide what was that all about vistage is like uh is it's it's a it's a ceo organization so similar to eo and um um uh what's the other one there um it's 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 a it's a franchise uh worldwide platform for ceos to get together once once a, once a month so we have a chapter of 15 guys and girls that own companies and we get together once a month we have a chair that leads the companies leads the uh the process so it's it's issue processing it's checking in it's thinking outside the box it's having speakers so it's 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 not a business it's a it's an association that I love being part of I've been doing that for seven years so you've gone down through that then um you know how did you come up with you did uh you you've got your vistage environment but how did you come up with the MERS? what made you decide to come up with that and tell us a little bit about it so you ask about limo anywhere limo anywhere came out of a need i was in the industry through move um and um somebody approached me with an idea to write a SaaS platform for limousine operators and we looked at the market and there was only one other competitor everything else was client server environment applications and they were poorly designed old and not very effective so I put some money in it and started working with that individual his name is Max Max Paltsov he was really really running the company I was helping him from business perspective because I, I understood the business I put some money in and we developed the software, became largest software provider in the industry as, as a SaaS platform, sold it to a roll-up seven years later. So that's an interesting journey. I, I put in $15,000. I was prepared to put 50. $15,000 took us to cash, cash flow positive, and Max did an amazing job running the company and selling the software. Um, and we sold it for $7.5 million to roll up. it was just owned between the the two of us yeah no that's great and so you went down you did that and so as you've gone down through this journey so what's going on with immerse and what problems are you solving so immerse uh yes kyle got into i was i was i came into immerse as an investor first 
the original concept was to build a marketplace using video technologies to connect service providers to their customers. So if you were a tutor, for example, and you were teaching in your five mile radius, you could you could basically grab a, a channel or build yourself a channel, Zoom-like environment, but uh, be able to charge per seat per lesson. And the idea was great, the execution was not. The, it, was, it was too early from technology standpoint of view. Um, basically, two and a half years later, I took over the company and repurposed the software we've built for that into something else. So we took it, we saw an opportunity in the market right around that time. Influencer marketing was was uh, being built as a, as a business. And I saw how they're great they're doing promoting products with pictures through Instagram. And I thought if, if we can build a video platform like YouTube, long, long format, where they can talk about the products unveiling, kind of like QVC style, where you can watch the show uh, and, and buy the product and comment on it, uh, kind of like QVC.com actually. Um, so we built that and so we call it democratized QVC um, and uh, started rolling up customers into that. And then in the course of doing that, I met a CEO of a company called Lucchese. Lucchese is a, an Italian name uh, built by an Italian immigrant, 135-year-old company that built cowboy, they make cowboy boots. They're the best on the market in cowboy boots or Western wear specifically. Um, so at a lunch with the president of the company, we talked about influencer marketing videos. And then he said, listen, my biggest problem right now is that we do really good. We're, we're, we're a wholesale company that's moving towards direct-to-consumer. Uh, that's our journey for the next seven years. We want to be 90% direct-to-consumer, 10% wholesale. Right now, we're upside down. We're 90% wholesale. So they had some stores, and they did a really good job in stores. When, the, when you would walk in as a client, you would be greeted, welcome, with a welcome, big smile, and just taken care of because the people were knowledgeable. He said, we do really well. We converted about 25% on the walk-in traffic in stores. Our website, however, is a good-looking website, and we put, keep, put, keep putting money into this, but it converts at half a point. Why is that? And he's, he, he's, he said, the only human-to-human -human connection we have on the website is, is the, as a support. And people gravitate towards that because they want that human-to-human -human connection. But these are the wrong people to answer calls because they, want, they need help with sales. They need help with choosing items. He said, if we could have a technology that connects the web traffic to a human capital that's already in the store, trained salespeople, trained to do sales, compensated on sales, that would be magical. So that was the big aha moment for us to say, okay, QVC-like videos are great. Uh, and it's a good way to produce content and to have shareable, you know, shoppable videos. But this is really a whole new level of engagement. This is one-on-one. -on -one. So we started building that. We signed them up as a client, as an MVP client, started building the platform for them for that one-to-one -one connection. Um, and took them live January of 2020. So just a few months before pandemic hits, then pandemic hits, all the stores shut down and e-commerce obviously goes into high gear. So they actually used our platform to sell. That's the only way they could sell. Um, and we had an amazing KPIs. I mean, 
average order values shot up. The, the conversions were north of 30%. Client satisfaction was like 4.7 out of five stars. I mean, we, if this was a, you know, a perfect picture scenario for any MVP, this was it. So we took that, we raised money uh, from a chairman of the board and one other individual who are on the board of Lucchese. They put a million dollars because they saw what we did and we took that money, we built the, uh, the SaaS platform, the full SaaS platform. So that's, that's really how Immerse started as a full live commerce platform. So we have both, uh, we, we've, we keep adding offerings and now it leads us to kind of AI where, 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 where this is going. So. And how about that? How's the market and, and where, what's the future of Immerse? So the future of the MERS is that the H2H, as marketers call it, that human-to-human -human connection is still is, is important no matter what technologies are ahead of it. The technologies are being used to facilitate that call or that connection or, or that interaction. Nothing more. You still need to have a human. AI is great, and we're using it. We're building AI to really ask three questions. Who is calling, what they need, and who is the best person to help them? Nobody, nobody likes being you know talking to chat with silly questions and nobody likes phone lines that you know press one for this phone trees and just getting getting to an agent that's that cannot help you and then being dropped off we've all experienced bad customer service and bad customer service really became a norm in the last five years unfortunately so we're fixing that we're fi fixing that with our technology we're connecting the person in need with an expert as quickly and efficiently as possible, answering some automated questions on the way if possible. But the goal is to connect that person to a human specialist and and help them with the transaction. Well, it sounds like it, you're moving in the right direction with it, Arthur, and and you've done you know phenomenal job getting it to where it is. So for those startups that are out there that are just getting started, what what uh what can you tell them and in terms of what the experience is like you've done six companies you have had quite a bit of success tell them a little bit about it so what should they, they look for and how do you keep the faith okay so a couple of things the first five companies i started i my goal was to get the cash flow positive as quickly as possible with immerse i was taken to and a wrong direction because i i had money the, the first five companies started with you know immigrant mentality scratch you know get every dollar worth etc etc um when i started the merch i was i was in a different space i was a lot i've, I've had money that i've never had before right so instead of doing instead of sticking to my core and getting to cash flow positive at least on unit economics i just poured money into this building and building and building and building and that was my biggest mistake in the business that i've learned i paid a lot of money for i was a very very much an education that cost me a lot of money so uh, your thing so, is stay profitable go to profitability as fast as you can at least on the unit economics what i what i mean by that is that make sure that your product is needed early on. Make sure you can sign up customers who are using your product. Make sure your product has 
profitable unit economics, meaning that whatever whatever that time spent or or something bought or sold or whatever that is, have enough margin to pay for the business business expenses and leave you some money at the end of the day. That's your net profit margin. So uh, understanding books, I'm, I'm learning more and more from from other businesses that CEOs don't get don't know how to build chart of accounts. They don't know how to uh, what's the difference between item on the balance sheet versus item on PL. So educate yourself on financials. It's really important. You have to know your numbers. Yeah. So um, no, it's great. And how do people get a hold of you? So if they want to reach out to you and talk, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm always open. My information is there. Our website is immerse.live. There's a chat. I monitor that chat all the time, even though I have other people that do that too. Being close to customers and being close to products, uh, to the product is really important. That's another key point I would like to stress is that stay close. Don't just, don't just farm it out and hope it works. Um, you have to be close to your customers. So yeah, immerse.life is our website. There's a chat on that that's easy easy way to get in touch with me on linkedin sounds great arthur thanks for taking your time out of your busy schedule to join us uh, today and thanks to all my viewers for joining one more time gsd presents silicon valley ai and tech my name is gary fowler and i'm your host stay tuned for another exciting edition on thursday of gsd presents stay thanks, happy gary. thanks for having stay me safe and stay healthy arthur it's good seeing you Look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, everybody. Talk Thank to you, you soon. And for those that don't tune in, have a happy holiday season. Take care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thank you.